Now, let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The scripture reading from today comes from Isaiah 7, 10 through 16. You can follow along on your pew Bibles on page 623. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals, that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child, and shall bear a son, and shall name him Emmanuel. Uh, sorry. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the God knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread will be deserted. And our gospel reading comes from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So of the four Gospels, only two of them really speak with any kind of detail about the story of Jesus' birth, and they give pretty two fairly different perspectives on what happened. In Luke's Gospel, we hear about the birth of John the Baptist, a visit to Elizabeth, traveling for the census, a manger, angels, lots of them, and shepherds, lots of them too. In Matthew, however, we don't hear anything about why they were in Bethlehem. Jesus is found in a house, not a stable. There's only one angel, but there are magi, and King Herod plays a big, scary part. Luke focuses most heavily on Mary's role in the story, but Matthew gives us one of the very few stories that we have that is about Joseph, the earthly man who raised Jesus as his own son. We don't think about this much, but God didn't just have to find one person, Mary, who would accept the idea of this pregnancy. No, God needed to find two 
who would accept this. And in Mary and Joseph, God found a pair who are given to us as the epitome of faithfulness, who respond as we could only hope we would have enough courage to do. When Mary and Joseph were engaged to be married, they entered into a legal contract, binding in every respect. To be engaged, or depending on what version you're reading, what translation, espoused, betrothed, pledged. To be pledged to one another, to be engaged, was for them to essentially already be married, even though they had not yet gone through the ceremony nor were they living together as yet. We don't actually know how well the couple knew each other, yet when Mary becomes pregnant, and it is clearly not by Joseph, there still must have been for him the pain of betrayal and the sense of humiliation that would accompany such a revelation. Joseph, on finding out that his fiancée was pregnant, would have been well within his rights to publicly declare Mary's infidelity, after which Mary would likely have been, at the very least, rejected from the community, and at the very worst, could have been put to death. Joseph's other option, then, was to divorce her, ending the relationship and his obligation to her as a husband. And the scriptures tell us that because Joseph was a righteous man, he chose to do this and to do it quietly. Now, in the dictionary, the word righteous is defined as people who always do the right thing, who follow the rules, who are strictly observant of morality, always behaving by a particular religious or moral code, ones who are justifiable, that is, considered to be correct. Unfortunately, these days, when we think of the word righteous, the kinds of people who come to mind are more self-righteous. It's an easy one. We see people who are self-righteous all the time. There are plenty of people out there who want to demonstrate how much morally better than others they are. And if we're honest with ourselves... Most of us have times when we look down on someone else's choices, lifestyle, physical appearance, faith, or other things. And our judgment is often tied to what we consider really important. Just a few days ago, as a matter of fact, I found myself looking down on some people for their television choices. You know, they liked The Bachelor and 90 Day Fiancé, and Hallmark movies. I myself choose high-minded TV like The Mandalorian, The Voice, and The Christmas Baking Championship. And some of you, don't deny it, are sitting there looking at me and thinking self-righteously, I hardly watch any TV. What a waste of time. I spend time on my computer instead. <laughs> Not to trivialize, but it is our tendency as humans to get self-righteous about all kinds of things. The ones that don't matter, though that baby Yoda is awfully cute. And the ones that we think carry much more importance. Issues of social justice, of politics, of self-care and earth care, 
It is easy to allow our opinions to become judgment of others' beliefs and actions and a struggle, at least for me, at times to know the difference between when advocating for our beliefs is acting on God's behalf and when we are simply using our faith as a cover to force others into our way of thinking. But there are other ways to think about righteousness than self-righteousness, and that is to think of people who are truly upstanding citizens of the world or the kingdom of heaven. Joseph is one of those. On finding out that his fiancée was pregnant, could have done much more than he intended and still been considered righteous by the narrow-minded legalists of the day. But the broader Jewish tradition has far more breadth than this understanding of righteousness, and it isn't just about following the rules. The kind of righteousness that Joseph lived by was not a law-based righteousness, but a compassionate, relationship-oriented righteousness. He chose, even before he and the angel talked, to protect Mary to the best of his ability to keep her seeming infidelity secret, to make sure that to do, he did whatever was in his power to keep her from being humiliated or hurt as a result of this pregnancy. He could have called Mary out. He could have utterly shamed her. He could have demanded that she be punished, and the punishment could be as severe as being stoned to death. That was his right, and he would have been righteous even had he done that. We Americans are all about our rights and making sure we get them, and we should pay attention to them. But we also, as people of faith, are called to be more than just citizens of an empire of this world and this day and age. Just like those whom Paul calls God's beloved, living in Rome, the first world empire and greatest nation of its day, we too are living in a Rome-like empire, but we are called to be saints, to be righteous anyway. At this Christmas time, Joseph's example shows us the kind of saint God calls us to be, not putting our rights before doing what is right not focusing on retributive justice, not about sticking to the rules without any compassion or understanding, but rather about maintaining relationship and caring for other before self. This is a story that Matthew tells us that is about what it means to expect Emmanuel, God with us, God in relationship with us, In our reading today, Joseph is already demonstrating what it is to live a life touched by Emmanuel, a life of those who are called to be righteous. His preparation for the birth says something, too, about his choices regarding the relationships, even before the baby was born. He chose to open his heart, and he gave the baby a name, yes, Having been told by the angel, he calls him Jesus. But by giving him his name, he gives the sign that he has taken parental responsibility for this child. 
Notice, too, that the name Emmanuel means God with us. Not God with me or God with you or God with them, but God with us, all of us. God in relationship with us and you and me and all other people and all of us, us in relationship with each other. God comes to be with us and shows us how to live with and love one another. The Apostle Paul calls all to be saints, to be righteous, and that call is a call to offer our lives for the body of Christ, that is to love others in humility just as Christ did, to put aside our right to be right in the eyes of the law and instead be righteous in the eyes of God as Joseph was, to show mercy even when it is our right to show someone the door. We can all choose our rights or we can choose to do the right thing. In the first case, we might still be considered righteous, as in within our rights, even upstanding or moral. But that baby that Joseph named Jesus and who this season reminds us is God with us, calls us to take the step beyond in order to move from focusing on our rights and doing only what we are required to do compared to being righteous, right with God, right with our Savior, and right with all the people of the world. Doing justice, loving kindness, walking humbly with our God looks like Joseph, not just doing the acceptable thing, but giving a graceful welcome to Mary and the baby. It looks like giving refuge to those escaping the ravages of war. It looks like feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, giving shelter to those who have none, visiting those who are sick or in prison. It looks like praying not just for our friends, but for our enemies, extending forgiveness to those who cause us harm. It looks like turning the other cheek, and it looks like being willing to sacrifice the stuff we hold most dear up to and including our own lives. How do we know that that is what righteousness looks like? Because this Emmanuel, this God with us, came to earth, told us and showed us through his own life that this is who God calls us to be. Traditionally, the fourth candle of the Advent wreath represents love. God showed his love for us in sending his son, born of the flesh as a human, born not to the powerful in government, religion, or business, but to a young woman and to a man who was strong enough to listen to God instead of the expectations of the world. Jesus showed his self-giving love for us in his life and in his death. As Christians, we are called to belong to Jesus Christ, and we are called to be holy by the same power that raised Christ from the dead. We are called to welcome this Jesus, this Emmanuel, like Joseph did. May we open our hearts and at this Christmas demonstrate what it means to live a life touched by Emmanuel, God with us. May we all do so this week and in the years to come. Amen.